This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Drunken graffiti. An all-expenses-paid dead guy tour of Alaska. Living in a cave for 40 years. The president the Cubs helped elect. And Rick's brush with Mike Royko. All this and unlimited tangents this week on Minutia Men, part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That is coming up right now. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. That's Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. We are the publishers of Eckhart's Press and Chicago Author Solutions. But mainly, we are fans of and consumers of worthless information. Minutia. And that's why we call the show Minutia Men. Dave. Yeah, buddy. How you doing? I, I'm doing great, and I know that uh, that you have spent some time putting together some minutia for us, haven't you? I, I have, Rick, and um, you know this this one here, the first one that I got. This comes out of uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So it's not Florida, it's not Texas, it's New Hampshire. And when you think of New Hampshire. You think you know you you don't think that there's going to be any weird stories, right? <laughs> well, their their slogan, their state slogan is "Live free or die." Well, so this, it is possible. Okay, well then this is a perfect uh, example. This is for the state motto. Uh, New Hampshire police were unimpressed by an artist. An artist is in uh, quotation marks who spray painted their station with a thoughtful and insightful message. Rick, what do you think? <laughs> What do you think this artist wrote on the side of the uh, of the police station? Um, please arrest me. Uh, close. Uh, Am I in the ballpark? Kind of. Yeah. I'll give you um, uh, what else would he say? Uh, uh, his his home address. <laughs> uh, no, no. But I have a feeling that they're going to find him someday. He wrote, "I'm drunk." Oh, nice. Yeah. Now. Uh, looking and uh, there's a picture here of the of the of the spray paint. So someone you know took a picture of it as evidence, I'm sure. Um, and here's a couple things that really strike me. One, the handwriting is really all the letters are pretty much the same. And he, there are no misspellings. Okay. Okay. So he probably. So I I, I I'm kind of a amateur sleuth you know okay, me. okay. <laughs> so i'm kind of uh, deconstructing the crime here okay trying to figure out you know the timeline of events so there has to be a real finite amount of alcohol there, there's got to be a very small window of how much booze somebody has to drink to do this because you can't drink too much because you're going to make too much, you're going to make spelling errors right yeah 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 for right. sure and you can't drink too little because then you're not going to have enough bravery. So right? you're questioning whether this man was even drunk at all. Oh, you, wow, that's a that's a wrinkle that I didn't even put in yet. I mean, is this a political statement? Is he making a statement about the police? Huh? Could could, could, could be, but I am I am impressed with your <laughs> devil advocacy right now. <laughs> uh, you know, you know this uh, yeah, this story ahead. did kind of. Um, remind me of some of my checkered drunk past. You? Yeah. So I thought, do you have any good drunk stories that landed you in the pokey? Uh, <laughs> you know this story, don't you? Actually, <laughs> I, I was, uh, 
<laughs> You're going to make me tell this story. All right. Well, when I was uh, 18 years old at the University of Illinois, there was a bar called T-Birds. Do you remember that place? Sure. The, the one that, like, if you're 12, you could drink in? <laughs> yeah, well, I think 18. They let yeah, you in if you were 18. So, you know, I was a freshman, and they let you in. But they had very strict rules, Dave. They put a mark on your hand. <laughs> and if there was a mark on your hand, you could not order beer. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, they were really, really <laughs> strict about that. Unless, of course, you ordered the beer with your other hand. <laughs> or, right. or you went into the bathroom and washed and, it off. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, one night I was there with my buddy Stu, my roommate in freshman year. And we uh, had a couple of beers. I'm not going to say how many, but mm-hmm. as the story progresses, you'll see that it was a few. And... Uh, Lo and behold, the cops come and raid the joint. The cops come, you know, like uh, with the whistles blowing and, you know, like uh, like a Keystone Cops uh, scene. Hey, Bugsy, Bugsy. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Up against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so Stu and I quickly, very calmly put our beers down and walked towards the uh, exit. And the uh, cop looked at us and could see we looked like we were about 12 years old and grabbed us and threw us in the back of a police car. Yeah. So we're in this police car going, okay, this is it. We're in big trouble now. Um, We got taken to the police station. And as we're going toward the police station, this is how loaded I was. I leaned forward to the police officers and I said, excuse me, officer, would you like a breath mint? (laughs) (laughs) And Stu punched me so hard in the arm when I got back to the back seat. He's like, you idiot. Anyway, so we get into the uh, we get to the police station, and as we're at the police station, Stu starts uh, rampaging about uh, how they had no proof, had no proof yeah. that. And, and I'm thinking to myself, "There's breathalyzer tests; they can make us walk a lot. We would have failed every test." Sure, but his 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 uh, his bold statements about uh, the fact that they had no proof of us drinking uh, actually led them to let us out. Where, the cops like, okay, yeah, you know what? Get out of here, kids. Uh, and I'll take that breath mint too, kid. Yeah. Um, but as we, they, this is this is how this story ties into the story that you just told. As we exited the uh, the police station, Stu, the one who punched me in the arm for giving the cop a breath mint, peed on the front door <laughs> of the police station. As soon as we got out, he's like, dude, cops, and peed on the front door of the police station. Uh, the, uh, I've I've got a similar story, but not nearly as cool as yours. Okay. Um, well, first of all, were these campus police, or were they Champagne police or Urbana police? I have no idea. I was loaded. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Urbana police. Uh, do you remember? Well, I'm gonna. I'm not even gonna name the guy. I was gonna say, do you remember a guy that I lived on the dorm with? But I'm not even going to. I'm not even gonna mention his name. Um, but he was a chemistry student. Okay. Okay. And he created this thing called the funnelator. Do do you remember the funnelator? No. (laughs) Okay. So what he did is he got like this really pretty big funnel, like the diameter of like a basketball funnel. Okay. Out of aluminum. Okay. Aluminum. He punched holes on the side of it and he strung four 
Bunsen burner hoses through them. Okay. <laughs> wow. You, you know, okay. So, so it's this. You know what a Bunsen burner? Yeah, yeah, is? sure, it's, of course. It's rubber. Right. So, and 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 you could pull this thing back like twenty feet. I mean, it was cool. It was the funnel later. So what? What? What we did? Me and him and like four other guys went to the top of Noise Lab. Do you, know, do you remember where Noise Lab was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, on the quad. And we and this it's a summer afternoon or it's it's either spring or summer I don't remember. It was during the day, and we brought a whole bunch of balloons. There was the there was a water oh or a water faucet in this in this room on the top of Noise Lab, which obviously the chemistry major knew what was going on. So we filled up water balloons, and we you know used the funnelator and just were whipping these 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 water balloons throughout the entire quad. Wow. And I mean it was I mean they, they would go like two hundred feet, three hundred feet. And we you know, we would go, you know, frat, frat boy on a bike, two o'clock, and we would, you know, try to try to hit him. Now we also had like three uh twelve pack Meister Brown too. <laughs> Which cost so, about a buck ninety nine. Right, exactly. So we're drinking, we're funnelating, we're having a great time. What could now, possibly go wrong? Way. How did we think we were going to ever get away with this? Because you were young and stupid. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so after we do this for about twenty minutes, um, we hear a knock on the door, and campus police comes in, and they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" They're like, "Well, it's the funnelator." You know, and, and you know, we're underage drinking. It's probably assault with, I don't know, a deadly weapon. But certainly, a wet weapon. A weapon. Uh, you know, we're, we're in a building probably that we shouldn't be. And so there's all these laws being broken. The campus police come. They start chastising us, and one of the guys goes, well, "This looks pretty cool. Can I try?" Oh, and you are the, kidding me! No, I'm not. And the cop did it once, and he goes, "Okay, you guys get out of here." Did he keep the funnel later? No. Oh, no. okay. No, we still have uh, Well, I like that story very much. Yeah, uh, I still like the urinating on the... You know, I, I'm going to uh, his son's wedding this weekend. Stu's uh, son's wedding. The guy who peed on the front door. The uh, yep. I'll have to tell that story at the wedding. Maybe uh, get one of those microphones <laughs> and tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> because, of course, now I've told it on a podcast. So, uh, anyway, there you go. Right. Um, I have some minutia for you, too. Uh, I call this the Alaska Dead Guy Tour. All right? <laughs> and this is a really... this. I kind of find this to be a sweet story. I don't, I don't know that most people will, but an American woman took her dead husband's body on a road trip in Alaska using ice from local canneries to keep the corpse cold, police said. Um, they responded to a call to find a body of a 78-year-old man inside an aluminum transport casket. And uh, the, the chief of police says uh, that uh, she had been stopping at canneries for ice to put in the truck bed during a rolling wake, which is kind of cool. I mean, what she did is she drove around all the kind of places that she knew that her husband wanted to see, and unfortunately, he was dead. <laughs> he did. He did. She didn't get charged with any crime or anything, but I don't. I. I, but I just find that to be kind of a cool little story. Do you think your your wife would do that for you? Yeah, you know what she would do? She would take me to all the places that I refused to take her. This would not yeah. be a 
this would not be a pro Dave. It would be an anti Dave. Like, uh, hey, here you see this. This is the dance hall you never took me to. <laughs> you know, it would have been easier to do it, uh, it after cremating him. You know, you just yeah. have a little urn. Take that around. But now, uh, she, was she going to like hotels and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Up and down the uh, up and down the highway. The mortuary took custody of the body after the authorities were called, and uh, they said the uh, the woman would not take her husband back out on the road. She promised. Um, <laughs> so that's, I have a question. Nice. Can you yeah. use the carpool lane? Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why she did it. Yeah, it's carpool yeah. lane. Could be. Uh, now, um, did she take the body into the hotel rooms? Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say if she did that or not, but it was called a rolling wake, and apparently it went on for several days. So, there uh, you go. Uh, by the way... You, where if, would your dead corpse... Where would you want your dead corpse to be taken? Um, I would want my dead corpse to be taken to the funeral home. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> no nonsense. Yeah, exactly. Let's land this plane. <laughs> right, exactly. And I don't know about you, but... I like the idea uh, for the family, I guess, of the cremation. Uh, you know, if you get cremated, it's just a little easier to deal with. But I want everyone to be 100% sure that I'm dead. Before you know, the I want like starts. 17 opinions. Is he dead? Yes. I, yeah. Medical doctor number one. Number two. I want right. 17 people to say, yes, absolutely he's dead. Now you can ignite him. <laughs> but before right, that... Because let's be honest, me and you, we're pretty slow to begin with. We are. I look yes. like I'm dead right now. I'm actually not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, no, I agree with you. I definitely want, uh, want a lot of people to weigh in on my deadness. Uh, by the way, if you like Minutia Men, and I hope that you do, uh, be sure to uh, uh, rate us uh, at all the various different locations, uh, Radio Misfits Podcast uh, Network. Um, also, if you like us, you, you're probably going to like the Pugs Moran live show. Pugs Moran is a guy I worked with at The Loop. Uh, he's a former radio uh, host who uh, was uh, in Dallas for many years. He offers random observations, thought-provoking commentary on social and current events, and celebrity interviews. And, and his first one is with Kevin Matthews, who is another former uh, colleague of mine at uh, at. Uh, the loop and actually i'm interviewing him later this morning for my illinois entertainer column so be sure to check him out he's also on the radio misfits network got any other minutia for us today dave rick i wrote this article uh, this comes from the daily mail and uh i thought immediately of you uh -oh. um the headline is 21st century caveman oh yeah that's me hunter gatherer 79 has lived in an argentina argentinian mountain grotto for 40 years, drinking from a creek and eating what he kills. Oh, that's me. <laughs> that is you. I mean, I can't. Uh, so the dude has no running water or electricity. Uh, he's lived in the same cave for 40 years. Now, I, I will say this. I have spent a lot of time in the mountains when we lived in Germany. And the water uh, in the creeks up there in the mountains is drinkable. So the, the water, the, the running water thing, I could probably get over Okay, so you could drink water. I could, yes. Uh, I could uh, capture and kill the water and drink it. Um, although, you know, I'm not, I, I have a pretty fragile intestine. I bet I couldn't drink that water. 
<laughs> but I, 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 could you the, kill? The, could you kill anything? I mean, well, that's just the thing. And and yeah, when he gets hungry, he picks up his rifle and he just goes hunting and kills something. First of all, oh, he's got a rifle. Yeah, well, and actually, as you read down the story, he gets two hundred bucks a month for some pension, and he does go to town for supplies like once a for bullets like a month. It's a three hour walk down a mountain, which, by the way, you couldn't do because of your elephantitis and your gout. Yeah, no, I couldn't even do the walk. Right, you couldn't even do that. Um, but this is, I mean, when you think about, you know, what first of all, what can you kill? Right, you can. I mean, if you kill a big thing. It's scary to kill a big thing, right? Yeah, like a bear or something. Right. I don't know what like, lives in the Argentine The only woods. thing that I'd want to kill would be little guys, like cute little bunnies, and I couldn't kill that either. And, you know, I always wonder if you're, and this is just going to, the the hunters, are the many hunters that listen to this show yeah. <laughs> are going to laugh at me, but how do you kill a bunny without, like, destroying half of it? Oh, right. Um yeah, right. Having his head. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think you got to use like a BB gun, maybe. Or a- you know, I actually researched this this subject one time because I don't know if you you obviously know this, but uh, Dave and I wrote a novel together <clears throat> about 15 years ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it, it was a time travel story in which uh, our characters, based on Rick and Dave get transported back in time to the French Revolution. They're trying to go back to college, to Champaign, Illinois, and they spell Champagne wrong. <laughs> and so they go to Champagne, France, yeah. and they imp- they dyslexically input the, the year incorrectly on a time machine, and instead of going to 1987, they go to 1789. <laughs> I believe you or your character was the one that did the mess up. I believe that is correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but uh, but I had yeah. I researched what we could kill uh, in, in terms of animals because we were going to have to live on the land. The characters were, and I I realized that you and I would be completely incapable of doing this. And um, in the book, we use Alarest tablets to try to make the the bunny sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, I, I also remember uh, that you got shot, right? Or you got almost died or something, right? Or <laughs> Yeah, I can't even remember it anymore. It's yeah. sitting on a shelf somewhere. It'll never see the light of day. It was really the 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 first time we tried to write something. Uh, it's, it's funny, but it's not know, good. It's funny that it'll never see the light of day when we have a publishing company. That's how bad it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember, I believe at the end of the story or near the end of the climax, you got shot. And I had to disinfect your wound. And, and I was grappling with, well, how am I going to clean your wound? The only thing I have here is my Rogaine, which is alcohol, but I'm not going to waste my Rogaine on your wound. <laughs> Back when you still had enough hair to, so to care about Rogaine. Rogaine, yeah. Exactly. So, well, um, yes. Yeah. So, so that maybe we can build up some, some audience for this book now. <laughs> Well, we could maybe send it to Luca. Uh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Luca. Yeah, I can't even find his name. Luca Delalco. Okay. Uh, who, uh, who could possibly like to read this book? He doesn't have anything else to do during the day. You know what else he can find out about? Just one bad century, which it is okay. time for right now. Time.
time now for a collection of Cub Geekness. This is Just One Bad Century. With Rick and Dave. So this week at uh, Just One Bad Century, which is our uh, website about the Chicago Cubs, if you want to check it out, justonebadcentury.com, we've written about every single Cub that ever lived, and also uh, things in history about the Cubs that are interesting. And this week is a very interesting story in Cubs history that actually affects a presidential election. Hmm. On this date, uh, well, actually, on August 2nd, 1923, President Warren G. Harding died unexpectedly. So this week, and he wasn't from Chicago, but Chicago played a very important role in him becoming the president. And actually, a minority owner of the Cubs, Albert Lasker, was one of those Repu- one of those Republicans in a smoke-filled room, and actually it was Suite 4046 on the 13th floor of the Blackstone Hotel right there on Michigan Avenue. Uh, he was the one that got Harding the nomination. Really? So a Cubs co-owner. Then, after Harding died... Um, and by the way, when he, while he was in office, he got visits from Cap Anson and the Cubs majority owner, William Wrigley. They uh, visited him at, at the White House. Uh, but another Cubs minority uh, owner, Harry Sinclair, is the guy responsible for the, the most famous scandal in the, in the Harding uh, administration. And that's the Teapot, the teapot Dome. Dome. Do you remember right. that? I, I know the name. I don't really know what it is, but yeah. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a convoluted story. He uh, he loaned the Secretary of the Interior a uh, hundred thousand dollars, which was basically a bribe, uh, in order to get uh, you know special deals in in uh, in competitive you know competitive bidding for oil. Remember Sinclair gas stations? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the Harry Sinclair company. Um, Anyway, he's the guy that was responsible for that. He was a uh, minority owner of the Chicago Cubs, and it was the biggest scandal of the early 20th century. And the Cubs have something to do with that. So that's this week's Just One Bad Century. And that, friends, is Minutia. Yeah, that is. uh, Yeah, I bet if you talk to anybody who's under the age of 60, the teapot dome scandal is probably not even something that they even remember anymore. I don't think they even teach it in school anymore. But now, kids, now you know. It's time now for our final segment. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. Okay, so this is our segment where uh, we write down all the names of all the celebrities that I've met over the years as my role as a radio producer for radio legends like Stephen Gary and John Records Landecker and many others. Um, and then Dave reaches in, pulls the name out of the hat, and I have to tell that story. What is the name this week? Well, this is going to be interesting. Uh, Joey Bishop. I never met Joey Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> I just decided to start writing names randomly on ah, a few stories. Okay. Uh, Mike Royko. I did meet Mike Royko. Dude, have I told you this story before? The Mike Royko uh, story? I think you told me this story. It's the one where he calls you a uh, Okay, I... I yeah. <laughs> All right, let me tell the story. Because <laughs> you told me this story, I believe every day. I think like, I've told yes. cab drivers this story. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Mike Royko 
great writer, right? Maybe the greatest Chicago newspaper writer ever. And he happened to be a good friend of a friend of mine, Tim Weigel, who was a sportscaster in Chicago. And Tim and I were friends, and I worked for Tim. I helped him uh, do the, uh, what do you call them, the, the Weigel Wieners. Remember those? Oh, yeah. And so Tim would invite me to these parties, uh, Bridget and I, to these parties at his house. And Tim had the most beautiful home I've ever seen in my life. It was right on Lake Michigan. It was a three-story, gigantic mansion. It was just spectacular. And we always looked forward to going to these parties because they were celebrity, star-studded events. And one time we went there, and Mike Royko was there. Mike Royko was one of Tim Weigel's best friends. Well, Mike Royko, for those of you who don't remember him, yes, he was a great writer, but he was also kind of a scary guy. I mean, he was really acerbic, had kind of a uh, grumpy. That's a good way of putting it. And he was in, you know, towards the end of his life. He also liked a little drinky drinky. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And at this party, he was, you know, had a cup of gin or something in his hand and Tim starts talking to me. And now I, w- I followed Royko around just, you know, like eight feet away just to hear him tell these stories because right. he, he was a great storyteller and I listened to his stories and people would cackle and, and laugh. And I never wanted to get close to him because I didn't want him to turn on me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Right. I, I, he probably never would have, but I was really worried about it. So anyway, Tim and I started talking and it, this was right when the John Wayne Bobbitt story came out. Do you remember that? Sure. The, the guy uh, had his yeah. thing cut yes. off by his wife. Yeah, right, right. And she, like, tossed it in the woods and <laughs> had to be reattached and everything. So we found that story hilarious on the John Landecker <laughs> show, and I wrote a parody song about uh, about the song. It's, uh, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, don't make Lorena Bobbitt your wife. Right. And then, it, you know, it's all, it has, you know, lots of dick jokes in it, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, come on. So Tim was talking about how he thought the song was hilarious. And and as he's talking, I see Mike Royko slowly walking up. And he's and Mike Royko says, you're the one that wrote that uh, Bobbitt song? And Tim goes, yep, he wrote it. He wrote every word of it. And I was like, yeah. oh, here it comes. And, t- and Mike Royko said, you're a genius. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, every time I tell this story, which I tell a lot, yeah. Bridget always points out that he had a, had a few gins that day. <laughs> yeah, right. So keep right. that in mind. Right. And then, he, and then he went to, like, the housekeeper. You clean this? Yeah. You're a genius. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> You're a lawn guy. He's a genius. <laughs> But you but can't you know take what? it away from me. You cannot take that away from me. Uh, I loved Royko. Yep, I agree. Um, I remember so, one. Yeah, go ahead. Remember when the Who had their... Uh, your, your, uh, your, your microphone is kind of crapping out a little bit, just so you know. Oh, okay. Well, I was just going to say, remember when the four uh, concert goers died at the Who concert and whatever it was, 1980? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a scathing columns about how... Like the youth of today are, you know, scumbags. How could this happen? And he would reprint the letters of people that were pissed at his column. Yeah. He would only pick the ones that were just completely misspelled and terrible grammar. And you still remember that because you were such a Who fan that you found that offensive. 
Yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. Hey, to find out more about Rick and Dave, you can check out uh, EckhartsPress.com, ChicagoAuthorSolutions.com. Those are our day jobs. And if you'd like to reach us, you can always drop us a line at minutiamanpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with Opie Productions, distributed by Ed Silla, the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And tune again next week for another episode of Minutia Man. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Lasano and friends. What's the appeal of Speedos? Like, why do you guys even wear them? I don't know. Uh, Alan, you want to field this one? <laughs> you do it for the, the ladies? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's part of my, hi, want to see my Speedo. That's a great line. <laughs> I forgot I was showing women parts today. It's okay. hard to tell I'm a female most days. What's the occasion? Pictures. Ah, oh. okay. Fair and enough. then said pictures, like, oh, I need to look good. I was like, I might as well look like a female then, so. Yeah. yeah. You look very female <laughs> today. You look very female. That's a great one. I'm going to use that if, if you don't mind. You're looking very female today. Yeah. And just yeah. see where that gets me. It's got to get me better than where I'm at now. It can't get worse. I would take that compliment. Yeah. I think it's a great opening line. Yeah. That would be a closing it, line, though. That's the but problem. It could yeah. be. It could be because the follow up would be what does that mean and how you handle it could be the closing or yeah. there you go yeah. I don't know I just heard it at my job on the radio <laughs> it's, a, it's a numbers game you know what I mean that's true you miss 100% of the shots you don't make and that's 99% right. of the other ones Lasano and friends great talk radio isn't dead it just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com